Okay, um, hey brothers and sisters, this is Eric. Thank you for joining me. So, I just realized that I have not done any videos for over a month. Now, this was not an intended sabbatical, but I just felt that communicating single-minded messages are definitely more effective. Alright, because in a video, you go all over the place and the important points that you are trying to make gets lost. Now, but in this case, it's too much to get into for me to do a community post. That's why I decided to come on. So I'm back. And today, I would like to talk about something that I've noticed in seal number 6 that I did not previously notice. And I've talked about this in the past, so I'm actually building upon, I'm elaborating a little bit more on the 6th seal understanding. Now, to begin, this is... I mean, this video is really for those who believe that seals number 1 to 5 have already been opened. Now, notice that seals number 1 to 5 are not the judgments of God. Okay? They are not the wrath of God. So, if you do not agree, then you don't have to watch on. Now, this video is for those who have already understood, after carefully examining the scripture, that seals number 1 to 5 are events that have happened... Um, you know, okay, let me put this on silent mode, hold on. No, no, airplane mode. Okay, so, where was I? Yeah, so, seals number one to five are events that have happened down the centuries, ever since John received his revelation in 96 AD. So, in Revelation 1 verses 1 to 3, it tells us about the things that John, uh, about the things that John saw that must shortly come to pass. And in verse 3, it says, John was shown the things that are at hand, which means that they have not happened yet, and they are about to shortly come to pass, which will be sometime after 96 AD. So that started the countdown, okay? Now, and then from... So it, so it starts at seal number one. So the countdown starts at seal number one. But when does it end? Now, it ends at the end of the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. So... Which is the seal that actually describes the end of the 1,000-year millennial rule of Christ? It is seal number 6. Okay, for several reasons. There are several reasons why seal number 6 is actually describing the end of the 1,000-year millennial rule. Now, I've... Okay, firstly, it says that the sky... I mean, I mean the heavens will be rolled up like a scroll. So if this is describing the beginning of the Great Tribulation after we are raptured, then it doesn't make any sense because how can the scroll be rolled back? Now, it's not just like the heaven opening up like Stephen saw as he was being beheaded. It is about being rolled back as a scroll. So much so that, okay, here comes point number two, that every island and every mountain will be moved out of their places. Now, if every mountain and every island will be moved out of their places as the skies as the heaven recedes as a scroll. How then can this be the beginning of the Great Tribulation? Are we then saying that there are no mountains during the Great Tribulation, that there are no islands during the Great Tribulation, or that there, are no, uh, there is no sky or heaven above you? Because it's not just the heaven opening up. It is being rolled back as the heavens receded as a scroll. I think Isaiah says that as well, right? And so, that's the second reason why this cannot possibly be describing the beginning of the Great Tribulation. 
Now, here is point number three and point number four. Now, point number three is something that I never noticed before. But as I was reading Revelation 6 again, I noticed something else. Okay, this is very interesting. Now, when you go to um, Revelation 6, and it says, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men. Okay, and listen to the next part. Pay attention to the keyword every. And every born man and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Now, in order for my sixth seal understanding to be correct, okay, that the sixth seal is actually describing the end of the millennium, then I got to explain how can there be kings of the earth? Because during the 1,000 year millennial rule of Christ, <laughs> it, Christ will be the only one ruling with an iron rod. So how can there be kings of the earth, right? And I got the answer. Because I suddenly remembered that after 1,000 years in Revelation 19, you know, it tells us that Satan will be released for a little season. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long that little season is. By the way, before I go on, I just want to say something else as well. You know the verse that people like to quote, right? No man knows the day or the hour. Actually, that is the day at the end of that little season, right? After Satan has been released. And that is the day when the elements will um, melt with fervent heat. Now, that is the day that knoweth no man, okay? So, back to what I was saying. So, it says that every, so the, the every king, okay, and every free man and every born, woman, born man, the reason why they hide themselves in the caves is that if you happen to be someone that's living in the months or the years leading up to the end of the millennial rule, right? I mean, I mean, those are the kings, you understand what I'm saying? Because, because Satan is going to, in a, last foolish attempt to try to overthrow God. That's the second God may God war, right? And so, and then Satan will gather the kings, right, of the earth. And these are the kings that are described also in seal number six. You get it? So, that's where the kings come from. Because initially I was thinking, well, how can that be kings? Because Christ is the only king. Then I realized that it is after the 1000 millennial rule that there is actually a short period of time a little season, the Bible calls it. The King James Bible, of course. Right? Where there will be another attempt to overthrow God. So that is how and that is why there are kings of the earth. Right? So that's the third point. Right? On why I believe that um, Revelation 6, okay, the sixth seal, is actually describing the end of the millennial rule. Okay, number four. And it says, every born man and every free man. Now, in Revelation 9, at the blowing, and after the sixth trumpet is blown, I mean, we know that, you know, and those who did not die repented not of their sins, right? But in Revelation 6, it says that every born man and every free man said to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Now, in Revelation 6, it describes a condition where people have already surrendered to the sovereignty of God. That's why they're asking the rocks to fall on them. However, in Revelation 9, it tells us that after the sixth trumpet is blown, there are some who still did not repent of the sins. Do you see? Because how can 
the sixth seal be the rapture, when obviously during the tribulation there will still be some who have not repented, right? So that is the re that's the fourth reason why seal number six cannot be the rapture, okay? Now you're probably thinking by now. So what about seal number seven? Now, seal number seven is actually a sort of it's like a literary interlude. Now, seal number seven does not come before seal number six in the sense that I, mean, I know that Brother Stan is trying to make the case that seal number seven comes before seal number six. But okay, this is a little com a bit complicated to explain what he's not saying and what I'm not saying, okay? Now, seal number seven, now if I understand him correctly, all right? Now, seal number seven actually correctly comes after seal number six. There's, there's no uh, discrepancy in the chronology. But the, the rapture happens, okay? This is the burning question on everyone's mind. When is the rapture? The rapture is between seal number five and seal number six. Okay? Oh dear, what, what happened to my... Okay. So the rapture is between seal number five and seal number six. So the gap between seal number five and six that is missing is being elaborated from, uh, in seal number seven. So the half an hour of silence of the holy hush in heaven Okay, takes place in seal number seven after the sealing of the 144,000. And then that ushers in the first supernatural judgment of God, which will be the blowing of the first trumpet. So the, the, the first judgment that comes after the rapture is the first trumpet. Because these are supernatural events. They have never happened before. Because in, in, in the first trumpet, it says that, you know, the fire that proceeds from altar of God, it's going to burn up one third of the trees and all the green grass. Now, when you look out of your window now, and if there's still green grass, and there's one third of the trees, and you got all the trees that you can see, then obviously it is it has not happened yet. Matthew 24 verse 21, yeah, 24, 21, it tells us that um, then there shall be great tribulation such as not since the beginning of the world, nor shall ever be. So these are unprecedented events, right? And that only begins at trumpet number one. Because there was never a time where one third of the trees would be burnt up. Never. Alright? So that is the first supernatural judgment of God. And then while that trumpet line is going on, that trumpet event line is going on, the other event line that is going on is actually the vow event line or what other translations call the bow event line. Now, I wouldn't have understood this if it's not for Brother Stan from the 1111 Design Channel. Okay, so a big shout out to you. And so, but he is however not so accurate to say that there are three event lines. Okay, I, I don't believe that there are three event lines but that there are only two. Right, so whatever, whatever happens while the two simultaneous judgment event lines of God are happening, then you got all these little details like, you know, the mark of the beast, you know, the angel flying in the midst of heaven, the first, the second, the third one. I mean, these, these are all um, details that happen during the Great Tribulation. 
You understand what I'm saying? Because not everything is covered in... Because not everything is covered. Because when you look at the trumpet judgments, right, the description of the trumpet judgment and also the vow judgments, I mean, they are really describing the supernatural judgments of God. But then there are other events that take place while that is happening, you understand? So those are like the, what do you call it? I, I, know, I know what to say in my language, but I don't know how to say uh, oh, I don't need the word slip my mind. Oh, I can't believe, I can't remember the word. You know, you know like there's a, there's a lead actor, right? And then there are those people milling in the background. What do you call those again? All right, okay, those people, right? Yeah. So those people milling in the background, right, while the movie is going on, they are like, what is happening while the supernatural judgments of God are being poured out, right? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, right? They are like the popcorn stands, the candy floor stands, but the main supernatural judgments of God are only described, you know, in the trumpet set of event line and also the, uh, the other one. Where's, where's my handphone? Sorry guys, I don't know what's wrong with my handphone. Okay. <laughs> so, so that, that's my... Um, this is the chronology of the, the book of Revelation, the way that I understand it. Okay, I hope that this has brought some clarification. So again, we are raptured in between seal number 5 and seal number 6. Alright, now just one more point that I want to... Uh, bring up, which which I already explained in my community post, right? The second previous one. You know, where I say, you know, a lot of people are getting, you know, they're falling away, you know, from the confidence in the rapture. Because if you look, if you read 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, you know, the context of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians is really about the day of Christ. This is then followed by, you know, the time of Jacob's trouble or otherwise known as the Great Tribulation. And then how it ends... And, and, and this time of Jacob's trouble leads up to the day of the Lord. So the day of Christ is the rapture. Okay, after the day of Christ or rapture, then comes the um, time of great tribulation. And after the time of great tribulation, is the second coming, which is the day of the Lord. Because a day to the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Now, if the day of the Lord is actually the day of Christ. Okay, I'm, I'm actually responding to a brother called Brother Danny who commented in my previous community post. Now, if the day of Christ is also the day of the Lord, now then there is a problem. Because the day of the Lord is a thousand years. But then you have a case where there is three and a half years of tribulation. So it is 1,000 plus three and a half, you got 1,003.5 years. But the word of God is very precise. The day of the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. I mean, you cannot round up the thing or anything, right? That's why it's called the Millennial Kingdom. All right? But that wasn't the point that I was trying to make. Hold on. Oh, yes. So, how do we know we are near to the beginning of Jacob's trouble? Which, of course, we won't be part of, right? For, you know, it says that much more now being justified by his blood, Romans 5, 9. Much more now being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. Now, every moment after the rapture is the wrath of God. Now, some people say that, some post-tribers say that, wow, you know, the wrath of God actually happens at the end, near to the second coming. But then when you look at the first trumpet, right, 
it is actually fire proceeding from the altar of God. Now, and even for post-tribbles, they believe that trumpets, the trumpet judgments, are also part of you know the period of great tribulation, right? So, are you then saying that the first trumpet, where one third of the trees will be burnt up, are you saying that that is not the wrath of God? Obviously, right? I mean, go and read um, Revelation chapter eight, verse two onwards, and and you will quickly notice that. The first trumpet, the second and the third, I think, right? They all proceed from the altar of God. Now, it proceeds from the altar of God and it, cause, and it causes unprecedented damages. Are they not the wrath of God? So you cannot say that the wrath of God is only near to the second coming. Remember Romans 5.9? I'm trying to tie that up with um, Romans 5.9. It says, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath to come. So if we're going to be raptured at the end of the Great Tribulation, that means we would have encountered, we have experienced the judgments of God, right? But we, we won't be experiencing any wrath of God. Okay, so now, how do we know when the wrath of God is about to happen? Again, this is really important as well. Now, so I'm talking about many different things in this video, right? That's what videos are for. You can talk and you can talk, you can talk, <laughs> right? In a community post, you can't. It's got to be single-minded. Okay, so the other thing is that a lot of people think, wow, you know, there have always been earthquakes. How do we know that the ones that we are seeing in 2023 are the defining ones? How do we know that the pestilences, I mean, pestilences have already, always happened, right? How do we know that these are the defining ones in the year of 2023? Now, the context is that we know that the man of sin is about to be revealed as the son of perdition. And we know that the man of sin can only be revealed as a son of perdition after the rapture. So if the man of sin, which I believe to be Francis, okay, if he is about to be revealed as a son of perdition, that shows how close the rapture is. And this is the reason why those earthquakes, the ones in Turkey and the recent ones, there are so many of them, right? That's why they are the defining ones. Do you see the difference? So do not let people tell you that, oh, you know, earthquakes have always happened, pestilences, famines. Uh, whatever, you know, in diverse places. How do you know that this is the, these are the defining ones? Well, because the context is that while these earthquakes are happening, while these famines are happening, the man of St. Francis is about to be revealed as a son of perdition. Okay? Now again, the devil comes against people who also understand that Francis is the man of sin. Because the devil does not want you to know how close the rapture is. And, and I mentioned that in my community post. Okay? So, we are going home soon because the man of sin is about to be viewed as a son of perdition. Because look at Francis, how old is he? Now, another misconception that people have about the, the son of perdition is that, oh, Francis is so old, he's 85, 86 or whatever. How can he possibly be, you know? Now, first of all, all of you have been fooled by the Left Behind series, include my, myself included. Because it portrays the son of perdition as being a tall, dark, handsome stranger, right? No, he's not. The Bible doesn't mention youthfulness as one of the criteria. It doesn't. So we get all these ideas from movies, which I believe were well-intentioned, but you know, they start to include their private interpretations. They are not biblical. 
right? But just for the sake of argument, let's just suppose that you think that he is going to be a young, a tall, dark, handsome stranger, right? I want you to remember that the Bible tells us that for marvel not, even the devil, even Satan transforms himself as an angel of light. So when he gets prom his promotion from being the man of sin to become the son of perdition, he may receive like supernatural new looks. Like, you know, we get our glorified body, right? So he get his so-called, quote-unquote, um, kind of glorified body as well. Right? And maybe this is also, and I think about it, there's nothing special if a young man becomes the son of perdition. But there is a great deal of difference if someone who is so old like Francis suddenly looks youthful again. You know what I'm saying? So there's some truth to the Left Behind series as well, the, the movie. But... Just imagine an 85-year-old man looking like he's 35 or 45 or whatever, right? I mean, wouldn't that be part of the strong delusion that they think that he's the Antichrist? By the way, the strong delusion, the strong delusion is really about thinking that the Antichrist would be a, um, would be God. Because 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us and for, for this, God shall send them a strong delusion, for they have not believed in the truth. The truth is Jesus. So if the truth is Jesus, then the lie, okay, would be the devil. So, yeah. So the strong delusion is about the identity. And, and some people will say that, oh, well, you know, the Jews are expecting a Jewish Messiah. Now, that, that is true. The Jews are expecting a Jewish Messiah, which is why they will not fall for the strong delusion. And they will accept the Jewish Messiah when near to the second coming, when during the uh, God may God war of Ezekiel, when God supernaturally delivers them from the enemies, just like how he delivered their forefathers, right? Jeremiah 31. And, and this is when um, they will finally call upon the one whom they pierced. And this is when they will finally accept the Jewish Messiah that they have been waiting for. So the, the Messiah that they have been waiting for was the one they have rejected these 2,000 years. That's why it has to be a Gentile. Because Matthew 24 tells us, if it was possible, even the elect would be deceived. Right, so it's saying that it is not possible for the elect to be deceived. Now, there are two groups of elects. The first group will be us. We are also referred to as the elects. So are the Jews. But you see, of these two groups, right, after we are gone, then the other group that will be left behind will be the Jews, right? Now, there will be unbelieving Gentiles left behind, obviously, but an unbelieving Gentile cannot be the elect, right? The book of Peter tells us that, you know, for you are holy nation, a chosen generation, right? That's not referring to us. By the way, that passage is actually referring to the Jews. It is very obvious. Are you a holy nation? It is referring to the nation of Israel. Yeah, I mean, they, they, are, they are God's chosen people. Right? So, you see, that's the, that's the thing about why I don't like to do videos, because I go all over the place. You know, and, which is good as well, because you let the Holy Spirit lead you, right? Into what you want to say. So, um, so, I guess, so, to recap, you know, the sixth seal is not a rapture. We are raptured between seal number five and seal number six. The sixth seal is actually the end of the millennium. So the countdown towards that millennium starts at seal number one and it ends at seal number six. Now, seal number seven is about 
you know, the, the gap, okay? It is, it is describing, it's like the, um, seal number seven is describing what happens between seal number five and seal number six. So there is the ceiling of the 144,000 and then there is the holy hush of half an hour in heaven because the great tribulation is about to start and that is why there's a half an hour of silence in heaven, right? So, I hope that that has brought some clarification about the chronology of the book of Revelation.